Hello and welcome to Cheer and Educate, a light-hearted, discussion-based podcast made with teachers for teachers. So grab a cuppa, sit back and relax as we delve into a new slice of education chit-chat with every show. In this episode, we talk to Toria Bono, primary school teacher, blogger and tiny voice promoter. I hope you like it. Hi Toria, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. I'm strangely busy for the fact that it's summer and that's really quite weird. Are you having some downtime as well though? Are you finding some time for you? Walking. I love walking. So I've already been up the the hills today with the dog. Anything to do with walking and getting out and being in the fresh air, I'm a happy woman. Yeah, I love walking as well. It really clears your head, doesn't it? So in normal teen educate fashion, we're going to start off with three questions that give us an insight into who you are as a teacher. So first of all, why did you decide to become a teacher and what was your key motivation? I'd never intended to become a teacher. And then I ended up helping my sister with her A-levels. The funny thing is that I had really disliked school. I hadn't had a great time at school. And there were teachers in school that I had found quite negative towards me and everything else. And I suddenly thought, you know, I can make a difference. I can actually be the sort of teacher that I would have wanted to have that will listen and be there and support and help. And according to my sister, I was actually quite a good teacher. Now, coming from my sister, that was huge. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go for it. So I sort of ended up becoming a teacher, which was just quite an obscure thing. And I'm writing about it at the moment for True Education Partnerships. I've been writing a series of articles about how I became a teacher. And it wasn't straightforward. It wasn't sort of, I dream of being a teacher at the age of four. Therefore, I do this, this and this. And I became a teacher. It was a very spiky journey, but one that, oh gosh, I just love what I do. I love being a teacher. And if you were helping your sister with her A-levels, what made you go to primary rather than secondary? When I qualified for secondary, I was teaching politics and history, and I was 21, and I was teaching 18-year-olds in the middle of Belfast, and they were very sort of argumentative, etc. And then I would also walk into the 14-year-olds, you'd all go, oh my God, what's she look like? I was passionate about my subjects. I loved my history and politics, and I couldn't understand why they didn't love it quite as much. It was quite surprising to me that people weren't as passionate about the potato famine. So I don't know whether it was age. I think actually possibly it was age and maturity, but I didn't gel with secondary. And I ended up at the end of that year, didn't have a permanent job. And I did a lot of supply teaching in primary and then thought, this is where I need to be. This is what I love doing. This is where I love teaching. And I've taught from reception to year six and I love every single year group within primary. I really do. I'd be interested nowadays with my maturity to go back into secondary and see if I had the same feelings and sensations I had at the age of 21. I doubt I would. I think it would be very different. I think there are some people that can go into secondary at 21 and absolutely don't have an issue. For me, I couldn't. I wasn't there. I wasn't mature enough. So what has been your proudest moment so far and why? Do you know what? I don't think I've had one proudest moment. I think I've had so many again and again and again and again. My most recent proudest moment would have been with the bubble that I took back. June the 1st, went back and taught a bubble of year six children who I'd known in the school. They'd known me, but we'd never actually sort of worked together before. And I developed such a strong relationship with these 13 children. And I was so impressed 
with how they dealt with this new and weird, you know, situation. They were being taught by someone that they'd never known before. They were so resilient. They were so respectful. And I went through the, I think it was seven, eight weeks, and I learned so much from them. And on that last day, I was just filled with pride at how brilliant these children were. They were absolutely phenomenal. But as I say, probably like you, every single year brings new levels of pride and new things. You just, you know, you have moments where that child stands up that wasn't able to do sort of a times table at the beginning of the year and then absolutely smashes a calculation that involves that times table. And that's a moment of pride. And I think pride for me comes from watching the achievements of the children I teach. That's where I find that I'm most proud. That's so lovely. And what has been the most valuable lesson that you've learned as a teacher? When you ask a question, give a child time to respond. And that, I think, was the hardest thing. I found silence in the classroom one of the trickiest things. I was always very keen to fill the silence. So I'd ask a question and, and a child would want to answer it and wouldn't have it on the tip of their tongue. So there was always that feeling of, oh, I should go to another child now and ask them. Instead of just giving them that space. And what I discovered is that when you give children the space to actually think and you help them to understand that silence isn't a bad thing, actually it allows them to find the answers. That's my biggest tip. Give space and silence. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip. That's a really good lesson for early career teachers as well, isn't it, that might be listening. And it's almost worth counting it in your head, isn't it? Yeah. Because in, yeah, in real life, it can feel like such a long time of silence, but Absolutely. really it's like a matter of seconds. So yeah, maybe like counting to five in your head or even 10, it might, might help. Yeah. So our focus for today is on the use of social media platforms and helping teachers to find their voice. Looking in particular at your Tiny Voices strand of work, I was browsing through your blog the other day and was awestruck by all of the amazing content you have published. You are definitely a champion for teachers in so many ways, which is amazing. (laughs) Uh, You host Tiny Voices Unite on Twitter every Tuesday. What is this and what was the thinking behind it? So hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday Unite. It actually started out of another hashtag. So what happened initially was I started hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday, which was actually a question and answer service because what I found was that when I asked a question on Twitter, it would go out into the ether and no one would answer it. And I think, oh gosh, you know, and, and I know most people have been there where you ask a question and you're not getting any response. And so I created hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday as just the, we're going to start this, ask your questions, I will tag people into answer. Wasn't too sure who to tag into answer, but just tagged a few people that, you know, because at that point I had a few hundred followers. That was it. So I didn't really know who to tag in, but I tagged in, you know, people. What then happened was on that very first Tiny Voice Tuesday, someone said, well, could we have a place for quieter voices to find their voice on Twitter? And I thought that's a really good idea because what tends to happen in follow, follow back groups or other, you know, follow, follow back is very much just about following each other. But actually, how do you, if you're new to Twitter or if you've been around Twitter before but are anxious about what people think of you, how do you find your voice on it? So I created hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday Unites, which is every Tuesday. It just basically is my pinned tweet. I put it out at five o'clock in the morning. And the idea is people come along, they introduce themselves. 
and they like the post, retweet it, but then they start chatting to people in the thread. It's not just about follow everyone in it. It's about connection rather than following. Following's great, but actually that doesn't help you to build your personal learning network, which I think is really critical because I think if you're a teacher in a one-form intake primary and you've only got connections with, you know, a very small amount of people and you're teaching year three, and maybe you've been told that you're teaching a new topic. Well, where do you find the answers? You can Google it, but surely it's much easier to just be chatting to like-minded people and get to know other year three teachers. So what happened was I started this hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday Unites. And I, I've got to be honest and say, I was expecting maybe, you know, 10, 20 people to connect. And we regularly have upwards of 400 people, which is fantastic. We have people from early years through to further education, which is even better. And we have such a mix of subjects. And what I love about it more than anything is that people say hi to each other. They ask questions. If someone says, I'm having my hair cut today, other people go, oh, that's fantastic. Have a lovely time. Show us photos later. And it's become more of a community, which means that when people need that support and help, They've built their community for themselves that they can go and ask for help with. And do you want to just explain the difference between that and the TVT tag team? The TVT tag team was linked to the original hashtag, hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday. Because what I found was that I wasn't quite sure who to tag, I'll be honest. When I got a question about sociology at A-level, I had no clue who to tag in that. So I basically went out to Twitter and said... I've got this hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday where people ask questions. Is there anyone out there that would be happy to answer? Early years to further education, just tell me. And I got that very first time, I think I got 180 responses. And those people became the TVT tag team. We now have, believe it or not, 320 people in the TVT tag team from around the world, which I just find fantastic Mm -hmm. and we cover over 300 different areas which means that if someone asks a question about a level sociology I've now got three people on my tag team that I can tag my spreadsheet is huge absolutely gigantic but it's great that all of those people have come forward and have said yes I'm happy to be tagged in questions I'm just very greedy I've got three three different hashtags Well, no, it's amazing how much of a community you've built from those hashtags. So it's helping other people, isn't it? Which is awesome. So if we look at social media from a more general perspective, Twitter can be a hugely positive network for teachers to be a part of. What benefits does being on Twitter have for teachers? And what would be your top tips for teacher tweeters? And I guess as part of your tips, and perhaps most importantly, how can teachers ensure that Twitter remains a safe, professional and positive environment for them? I think Twitter has two sides to it, absolutely. And there can be real negativity out there or there can be a lot of positivity and support. I think connecting with the right people is really important. But let's go back a stage to actually how you start up your Twitter account and what you want to project as you. I made the choice back in January when I sort of took to Twitter properly to remove my Bitmoji to actually put my full face there And eventually I decided to actually go with my proper name because I decided that actually if I wanted to connect with people professionally, I wanted them to know me, Toria Bono, professionally. 
So what it means for me is that I'm not an anonymous person on Twitter. Therefore, I have to make sure that I'm presenting myself professionally the whole time. That means that some of the comments that I might want to make, I don't. I keep them in my head in the same way as I would if I was in school. And I see it very much as a virtual staff room. How I think about it is if it's a public forum, then any parent of any child I teach can see any of my tweets. They can see any pictures I post. And I think, okay, well, would I be happy with any parent of child I teach to see it? And would I be happy with any child to see it? And if the answer is yes, then I have no issue posting it. I don't get into negative conversations because I think it's entirely detrimental. I try and ensure that I remain with positive conversations and I would suggest that anyone that is involved in negative conversations comes away from them as quickly as possible and doesn't buy into it because actually some people on Twitter for whatever reason like to criticize. Stay professional and really connect with the people you want to connect. So you've got hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday Unites, which is a fabulous community. But you've also got various other hashtags linked to different areas of learning. There's so many, I can't think of them off the top of my head. And also lists that are on people's profiles you can find. So great ways to connect with people, like-minded people. Brilliant. And why do you think it's important for teachers to have their voices heard on platforms like Twitter? The reason why voices need to be heard is because we have so much to learn from each other. If we're just listening to the same voices again and again and again, then we're not developing our understanding as professionals. That's why I think it's really important to, to listen to voices globally, as well as just from England, because then we are learning about global education and we're not just sitting in a very, very minute circle of people. So I'm all about everyone getting their voices heard. I've run webinars about blogging. There are so many blogs out there on Twitter at the moment. But I think that's great because people are getting their voices heard in that way. They're getting their voices heard through talking at conferences. They're getting their voices heard through just asking questions and actually having the confidence to respond. And I think when I see a teacher respond to a question that they wouldn't have responded to a month ago, I think, yes, that's brilliant because it shows confidence. And that then is sort of rippling out to the schools and then is rippling out to the students that we teach. So that's why I want people to be heard. So exciting news. You're expanding your reach with the launch of your own podcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? What's it called? What's it about? It's really quite exciting. It's um, Tiny Voice Talks. And I've been waffling on about starting this podcast for a bit. The bit I was worried about was the technology. And a fabulous person has come forward and said that they will help me with the technology for it. And so I'm going to start this Tiny Voice Talks podcast. And each week it's going to be slightly different. And my aim is to talk to people who don't have an incredibly loud voice about issues that are pertinent at that moment in time. Or indeed, I might talk to someone who does have a loud voice on Twitter about issues that need to be heard more. So at the moment, I've got quite an open framework for it, but I'm just really interested in getting voices and issues out there that need to be heard. 
as you know, I've had to think about where I'm sitting, what I'm doing. I've got headphones now. I've got a microphone. You know, it's brand new and I can't wait. Who knows where it will take us? But, you know, I'm inspired by podcasts like yours. I watch them and I think, yes, I really like this idea of let's talk education. Let's get education out there so that while people are driving in their car, they can just listen to two people have a chat about education. So is it going to be a weekly podcast, did you say? I'm aiming for it to be a weekly podcast, but I'm slightly fluid with it at the moment. I'd like to say it'd be weekly, but I'm not sure. And I think everyone probably goes into podcasting think, yes, I'm going to do it just like this. And then a week into it, you think, actually, no, I'm going to do this instead. And what I've discovered with everything that I've done to date is that nothing quite works out the way I planned it. Or indeed, my lack of plans mean that everything just goes slightly fluid, which is quite nice. So if people want to take part in your podcast or they think that they've got something that would be beneficial for an episode, what would you suggest they do? Send me the topic, send me a slight brief overview of what they want to chat about and, you know, just DM me on Twitter or message me through my website. I'm really keen to speak to lots of different people, not just people from Twitter, but educators around and about that might have discovered me a different way. Say, I know my blog is read by various people and not just people from Twitter. So yeah, I'm really, really keen to get lots of different voices heard. And do you want to just say what your Twitter handle and your blog address is? That's a good idea. So my Twitter handle is at Toria Clare, which is T-O-R-I-A-C-L-A-I-R-E. The blog is teaching others and learning all the time. And the address is Toria Clare, again, Clare with an I, dot wordpress.com. And actually, if you Google me, you do find that that comes up at the top now, my blog address. So you can just message me through that because I've now put a contact form on there specifically for the podcasts. Brilliant. And how long have you been doing the blogs for? Because there is so much content on there. Yeah. Well, would you believe I only started it at the end of January? So basically, I joined Twitter as an educator in January and I put out a question about left-handed writers and the TES got in contact with me and said, would I be interested in writing an article about supporting left-handed writers for them? And I said, oh yes, yes, why not? And then I thought, good gosh, I've never ever written for anyone or anything before. I have no clue what I'm doing. I know, I'll write a blog and see what people think of my style of writing. So basically, I was poorly and I was lying in bed and I went on WordPress and I created a site and wrote a blog. And my first blog was getting started with the edge tweeters, I think I called it. And I just put it out there and people read it. I don't know why I was so shocked, but I really was shocked that people actually read it. The week after was when I started hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday. The week after that, I started hashtag Tiny Voice Tuesday Unites. The week after that, I started hashtag TVT Tag Team. And I was just writing all these articles on these various things. And then Hannah Wilson, who's at Ethical Leader, fabulous woman, she started this hashtag daily writing challenge, which is about writing about your values. I was sort of in lockdown and I thought, actually, this is quite a good thing to keep me going, keep me focused and so on. So I started writing about that. And the writing's just taken off and I just get a moment where I just go, oh, actually, I'm going to write about this. And I just write about it. And yes, you're right. I couldn't quite believe it the other day when I went on the site and discovered that over 22,000 people have actually been on it, which I found really quite surprising. 
it is wonderful that so many people now follow it go in and check on it and so on and what's also been great is that I've been able to support and celebrate other people on it so I have a page devoted to other people's blogs so people can go on there and click on new voices blogs and see that it's it's a really exciting way of supporting others that was my favorite part of it actually when you've got the page and it's just all the other links to other people's blogs and things that was really Mm -hmm. lovely to see So even more strings to your bow, on Saturday the 29th of August, you're hosting (laughs) Brewed Find Your Voice. It sounds amazing, with really great speakers lined up. Who can join? How can they join? And what should they expect? Right. So the reason that came about was because I'm one of the hosts on Hashtag Brewed Morning, which is every Sunday at 10 o'clock. And I've watched Graham do his Brewed Isolation, then he did Global Brewed, then he did Brewed Arts. And I was like, oh. So I got in touch with Ed Finch, Mr. Brewed, and said, what do you think to Brewed find your voice? Are you happy with me to do this? And Ed was fantastic. He said, yes, absolutely. And you can practice on the buttons on Morning Brewed so that you know what you're doing on the day, which is great. And Ed and Graham have both been so incredibly supportive. And we have got so many fabulous speakers i'll give you some of the, the actual the titles of the, the speaking of what they're talking about empowering equity in education becoming a global educator reflective practice the power of positive relationships collaboration lgbtqia plus in the early years representation investing in people chasing perfection there's just so much And there's over 20 speakers coming together and presenting. And in the middle of the day, we're going to have a panel as well, which is going to discuss what representation looks like in education, which actually I think is really critical to talk about at the moment. The day is going to run from nine o'clock to, well, it was meant to be 9.30 to 4.30, but I've sort of extended it now to about Mm -hmm. nine o'clock to five. And in order to see it, you can either click on my pinned tweet, which will be on Twitter, or you follow me on Periscope, which is also at Toria Claire. And as soon as I go live that day, you'll get a notification to tell you that I've gone live. If you miss it, or if you just want to pop in and out throughout the day, that's absolutely fine. I am putting a timetable together so that you will be able to come along and listen to absolutely what you want to. The aim of the day was really to give voices that haven't really had a platform to speak on yet. Because what I find sometimes is the same voices speak. And and actually they speak because they are absolutely phenomenal people and absolutely excellent. But I wanted to give people the opportunity to speak that hadn't necessarily within a platform. So we have lots and lots of voices that people will never have heard before. Lots of first time presenters that are really quite nervous, but they've come forward and they've said, yes, we'll do this. It should be a really exciting day, which I'm hoping will inspire students, NQTs, RQTs, teachers that are very long in the tooth, head teachers, everyone to go back into the new school year with a yes, we're ready for this. So that's Saturday the 29th. So just before, I know some schools will already be back by then, but most of these, so yeah. I go back on the 1st of September. So it's a, it is a great way to get back into thinking about school, isn't it? And what is Brewed Morning? So that's Sunday at 10 o'clock. What happens that's, on that? So each week we decide on a different theme. There are a number of different hosts and we take turns between us. So a couple of weeks ago, Ed Finch and I were doing picture books. Last week, Graham and Mark hosted on just general downtime relaxing. 
So every week is different, but it's quite exciting because it's based on current what's going on. And you've got the different voices, you've got different presenters. So you never get the same thing twice with hashtag Morning Brew Ed, which I quite like. You have to watch for the tweets that we put out on the Saturday to know whose pinned tweet to look at, depending on who's putting out the broadcast. Because we do it again through Periscope. So you just need to click on the right person's pinned tweet and you're in there and you can watch, you can comment. And the thing I like about Periscope as a platform is that as an audience member, you can be quite a participant. You can chat away, which is great. And then your sort of your comments can be put on the screen. And that's every Sunday. Every Sunday, yes. Fantastic. Finally, my favourite question. If you were a cake, what would you be and why? Ooh, if I was a cake, I would have to be a coffee cake, but without the walnuts on top. Because strong, determined, powerful cake, but also really soft-centred with that lovely sort of coffee cream icing. And I think, yes, that's pretty me. I, I'm a pretty determined individual, full of energy, which is, you know, caffeine gives you. Also, coffee cake is my favourite cake in the whole world, so it would have to be a coffee cake. Oh, well, thank you for that, Toria. Heaps of takeaways and advice, which I'm sure will be really useful for our fellow teachers. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope to have you on mine soon. Thank you, Toria. So great to talk to you and best of luck with your new podcast and Brewhead Find Your Voice. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Twitter and your chosen podcast platform. Leave us a review and share us far and wide. I'll be back soon for another slice of tea and educate.